February of 2014, with a chill in the air on a mountaintop in Maggie Valley, North Carolina, a group of teens gather at the home of then 17-year-old Crystal Howell. There's a bunch of teenagers living in a house. I mean, kind of, I wouldn't say it became a party house. There was one party. Crystal's best friends, Taylor and Summer, say it turned into an unwanted, out-of-control rager. Less than 15 people um, was who she invited. And another bad thing about small towns is when you tell one person one thing, everyone finds out. Um, So that one party ended up being like 50 or 60 people. Maybe even 100 people at at her house. Like, and... There was some really messed up stuff that happened that night. I don't really remember much of the party because immediately, as soon as people started coming over, I drank a lot and I blacked out. She had brought home what we thought was cocaine and it turned out to be meth. And then, like, that's when things got, like, really weird. I guess it stopped being, like, any kind of fun. It just started being weird. I wasn't really able to stay there. I was literally going crazy. Like, I I felt split from reality. And I was like, well, maybe it's the house. Maybe I just need to go. I was there when she, like, actually left and packed up the, the U-Haul and left for Georgia. Just usual, like, I love y'all, call y'all, keep you updated. She had made it a point to say, hey, don't go in that shed. Don't do this. Don't do that. I was like, okay, I won't while you're here. (laughs) I am a nosy as fuck person. I want to know everything. So um, there was no key. Popped it off, broke the lock. I smell something that is, I don't, there's nothing. There's nothing that can describe it. It wasn't as strong. I don't know why, but... Maybe it was just because of how cold it was. I go over, I touch what I think is a mannequin. I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I looked down and realized he was wearing the same jacket that Crystal's father was wearing in the picture that's literally sitting above the mantle in in the house. And it clicked for me. So I started screaming and crying. Immediately, whenever I saw him, I knew. I'm Melissa McCarty. And I'm Kelly McClear. We are Emmy-nominated investigative journalists, and we've been talking to Crystal Howell since her dad's murder in 2014. Eight years after Michael Howell's murder at 25 years old, Crystal is telling her story. They wanted to believe the worst. They wanted to believe it's for money or because I wanted to go out and hang out with my buddies. It's like they wanted to believe that because it it makes it easier to put a child in prison for the rest of their life if it's for something like that. They don't want to believe that I tried to reach out for help and nobody was listening. Over the next 10 episodes, you'll go inside the mind 
of a teen killer. I didn't have any sort of plan or I didn't, like I've never sat there and thought about killing anyone or hurting anyone. It happened so fast that there was no thinking, there was no, it was basically like an impulse. Here, her growing pains that led to the murder of her father. I looked out of his bedroom door and I, I saw him and I heard like his last breath. The elaborate cover-up in the aftermath and will reveal for the first time her secret accomplice. I'm a little bit nervous and scared because a part of me does think like, what kind of retaliation could there be? Because whenever I was in county jail, I did receive a few threatening messages from him. And evidence never seen or heard before. Quote, some people just need killing, end quote. I have felt that intensely underlined. I have worked to suppress it, but that hate, that feeling of having a mortal enemy can come out. Yes, I have plenty of deficiencies as a person and parent, but have done my best with Crystal. Crystal Howell endured a childhood riddled with pain and lived a life of fear and instability. Her cries for help went unnoticed and ignored. I felt like she was in an abusive situation. I know the police came out and spoke with her. I want help, but at the same time, I don't want my dad to get in trouble. Like, I don't want to see him back in jail. The cop, he drove down the driveway, and when he sees our house, I hear him laugh, like, kind of under his breath, like, <laughs> like kind of scoff, like, is this girl for real? So when the unimaginable happens, does culpability fall solely on the team? Like, nobody cares what's going on. Nobody is willing to listen, so... What's the point of even speaking up? When it comes to the sentencing of teens who commit murder, there is no nationwide standard. Some receive life sentences, while others walk away with only probation. So when it comes to Crystal Howell and the case against her, does she deserve the life sentence or a second chance? My whole life, all I wanted was to be somebody that... He could eventually look at and be like, that's my kid, that's my daughter. I raised her like a moment where I can make him proud. And now I feel like, where's the moment? I'm living the rest of my life in prison. And I just don't know what the moment's going to be. At the end of the series you decide we bring you the exclusive series killing dad a first degree mistake what was found in the shed inside a storage bin that cold winter day would cause a ripple effect through the small mountain town of Maggie Valley, North Carolina, one that even the mountain winds can't seem to shake loose. The headlines were plastered across the world. 
Teen kills father, hides body, hosts parties, installs a stripper pole in the kitchen. A mountain teenager is charged with first-degree murder. Deputies say 17-year-old Crystal Howell shot her father, then hid his body in Maggie Valley. Crystal was, was 17 at the time when she shot her dad while he was sleeping. Friends found his body hidden in their family shed and called the Show cops. A Haywood County teen confessed to killing her father with a shotgun. A 17-year-old Crystal Howe remains in jail tonight in Augusta, Georgia. She's charged with first-degree murder. Deputies say she also tried to cover up his death by hiding his body in a shed behind his home in Maggie Valley. There's more to the story, though. What seems like an open and shut case is anything but. And for the first time, Crystal Howell is telling her story from behind prison walls. To understand how a father ended up murdered, stuffed in a storage bin, and left to rot inside of a shed on the side of a mountain, we have to start at the beginning with just who was the Howell family. Michael Howell stood at five foot nine inches with a youthful face, blue eyes that were shielded by large framed glasses and an awkward smile. But behind his unique look was a matured and soft-spoken man with an intellect that commanded attention. Brenda Ennis was Michael's aunt. Mike was very eccentric and, you know, I was okay with him, but he was, you might say, a little odd. His grandpa raising him, he seemed like an old man in a lot of ways. He smoked a pipe. You know, he just wore those glasses and smoked his pipe. Michael was a sports writer in the Southeast, and his love of writing matched his love of golf. Michael's friends, James and Mike, were longtime golfing buddies. I never knew him really to be a jovial guy, but he never lacked for anything. Michael didn't have a traditional family upbringing. Brenda says his family was torn apart at a young age. His dad was my brother, and he committed suicide when he was about 23. He had lost his job and had a very tragic, bad divorce. You know, so this is sort of karma being passed down. Michael would fill that void with a family of his own. He met a woman named Christina and the couple quickly started growing their family. First, it was doe-eyed daughter Sierra, and three years later, Crystal, a name fitting for her dazzling blue eyes. I kind of was more like my dad than my mom, and my sister kind of flopped to my mom's side. He loved Crystal to death. You know, they were like two peas in a pod together. Michael would start a long-standing trend of pulling pranks on his youngest. One time, um, I watched the Stephen King movie, It, and, uh, you know, it's about the clown and all that. And we're just all sitting around, and my dad, I'm already terrified of the dark, and he's like, hey, why don't you go outside and get some firewood? I'm like, all right, okay. Um, and I'm trying to act all tough. I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm like, giving myself up. I'm like, all right, just go out and get the firewood. And then out of the woods comes this clown, and I'm like, you know, I'm running and I'm running, and it ends up being my dad dressed up in one of my mom's church outfits. Like, it was like a clown outfit that she had worn for a church event. He was super proud of both of his daughters and happy 
Mildred Hans, Michael's grandmother, operated a franchise of the mega-popular Merrill Norman Cosmetic Company. Shortly after it was passed down to the couple, Michael decides to step away and pursue his dream of being a sports writer full-time. Running a franchise of this magnitude on her own proved to be difficult for Christina. She just probably did not have business sense, I would say, because it had been here forever. And then she branched out. One thing, I think she built too many stores. She opened up three, and they sort of closed. And I believe she lost the house that she they lived in. So, you know, it's been a downhill spiral. The family of four that lived the literal white picket fence stream, a stark cry from Michael's own upbringing, started to weaken with the burden of financial stress, culminating in a decision that would divide the family. Crystal and her sister Sierra's lives were about to take a dramatic turn. We came home and they were, they were like, we're getting a divorce. It just kind of rocked my world, I guess. Like, I'm just sitting there like, what's going on? Like, just confused and unable to grasp it, I guess, because as an 11-year-old, you don't understand love and you don't understand the way that it falls apart. So in your mind, you're just like kind of self-centered. Like, why is this happening to me? Where are my parents going to go? I was just kind of standing there and staring at them, like, in shock and just rooted to the ground. And I know my sister, she had ran up this... You have 60 seconds remaining. She just... Should I just call back? Crystal is housed at a prison facility in North Carolina. She's only allowed phone calls in 15-minute increments. Difficult at times, when Crystal's in the middle of a traumatic story, we'd pause and wait for her to call back. To accept this call, press 5 now. I think I was talking about my sister. Um, she ran up the stairs, and she she was crying, and it was just very loud. And I remember her screaming that she hated them. And I'm just, I'm still standing there just confused, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, my dad's crying. I, I don't think I've ever seen him cry. And I'm just confused, and I'm just looking at my mom, and she's just kind of sitting there, like, Stone face and setting her decision, I guess. My mom had told my dad, apparently, she had said that she just wasn't happy anymore, and that's really the only explanation that we've received. James and Mike have known Michael since they were teenagers. Michael met the two on the golf course, as guys do. They stayed golfing buddies for decades, even through Michael's divorce. It was like a whirlwind, really. Yeah. It was just all of a sudden, just, it went from, hey, this guy's got a great life, great family, to, bam, it was just done. Yeah. Yeah. The trio would gather for standing rounds of golf on the sacred fairways and greens where bonds last a lifetime. It was there they'd witness the shattering of a family, of their friend, and where family secrets would seep out and come to light. I guess my mom had been seeing another man and he had found out that she'd been married and that kind of crumbled that relationship off. So she had come back to my dad and was like, well, maybe we should work things out. 
But at the time, of him coming home, I don't think he knew about this. He just thought, okay, my wife wants me to come back home. I'm going to do what I need to. Because uh, he, he, I believe he did love us as a family, and his intentions were pure. Yeah, but he just he came home, and I'm happy because I'm like, okay, great. Like, everything's putting itself back into place. Christina's infidelity and real reason for wanting a divorce from Michael was still hiding in the shadows. And Michael's second chance at reconciliation and salvaging the family he'd always dreamed of wouldn't last long. Like many young teens, Crystal also began taking an interest in boys. But a chance encounter with a schoolmate would unravel the 18-year marriage of her parents. Well... It was all fine until I began talking to this boy from school. His name was Zach. And I was at this sleepover party, and these girls were just talking to this guy on the phone. And I never really talked to guys. I just kind of was off on my own. Like, you know, I'm in sixth grade at this point. And they're talking to him, and they're kind of throwing heat his way that I like him. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? Like, I don't even know this guy. Like, it, but him and I started talking online, and then that turned into, you know, the house phone calls. And with that comes caller ID. So it's clearly not in Zach's name because he doesn't pay the phone bill. It was in his mom's name. So it had her name and the last name Rester on it. So my mom, she's pretty diligent about kind of keeping track of who I spoke with um, and who I hung out with. So she's checking the call log, and she's like, who, who's this person? With the last name Rector, I was like, oh, that's just my friend, you know, like, kind of downplay it. And she's like, well, what's his dad's name? I was like, uh, I don't know what his dad's name is back then. So I asked about his dad, and he told me, and I told her his name Pete. And she's like, oh, well, maybe you and Zach should go to the movies or something. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, my mom was going to pay for me to go on a date, whatever. And so she takes us to the movies. And it was like some action movie. I was like, the whole time I'm just like, God, why? And we're meeting back up at his house, taking him home. And the dad's in the front yard, and my mom's talking to him. And I'm like, oh, parent stuff, you know, I'm just sitting in the front seat playing with the radio. My mom gets back in the car, and it's like, that's her ex high school fiance. I'm like, what? Ew. <laughs> like, it's just weird to think about your mom ever being with anybody but your dad, I guess. And so we get home and we're just laughing about it over dinner. And I'm like, dad, like, I'm glad she married you because this guy's lame. Like, he's fat <laughs> and bald. Like, and I'm just like oblivious, like, just kind of talking trash, like, whatever. Because I'm not thinking, oh, my mom might start something up with this guy. And a few weeks later, probably, it was back to, I want a divorce. This is a decision I want to make after all. And then that time was late with final, and she didn't go back. Christina immediately started dating her old high school sweetheart. Michael tried to release the grasp of a love he so desperately wanted. His heartache was about to reach its tipping point when yet another deeply rooted secret is unearthed. He was pissed off to say the least but I know at first he didn't, he didn't realize about the affair at first and he's giving my mom half of everything and she's kind of coming off pretty good for a divorce you know 
I mean, coming off pretty good. She's in the house, half the cars, stuff like that. And amidst this happening, somebody on my mom's side of the family told him, uh, you know Sierra's not your kid, right? When the divorce came up, I think the aunt felt sorry for Mike because he was given everything he had, pretty much, to sign it over to Christy. And she told him that Sierra is not your child. So that's how all that came out. And, um, you know, that was devastating to him. And so he ended up having a DNA test done. So apparently... Everybody is known on her side of the family except for me, my sister, and my dad. We're the only ones in the dark still. I personally, I didn't look at her any different. Like, that's my sister. Like, blood doesn't matter. You're, you've been by me my whole life. Like, that's my sister. But I think she showed less how she felt. I think maybe she internalized it because, I mean, that's got to hurt, like, not knowing this person and on top of that, him not wanting to be around. And then our dad that we've known our whole life kind of just disappearing. Um, and then you've got a new man in the picture, like, so you have three different options. It's like, who do you choose? Christy started it. You know, she won the divorce. And I'm sure it's because she had somebody on the back burner. It was a betrayal that would rewire Michael's brain into everything he thought to be real. He just kind of went, he kind of drove him crazy, I guess. Like, he's angry because not only is his child that he's been raising for 14 years at that point, not his biological child, but another man's coming into our home and kind of stepping in to his old position. When Mike was married, he loved his wife deeply. I think he was very hurt by the loss of that love and that relationship. We've reached out to Crystal's mom, Christina, and sister, Sierra, but they never responded to our request for an interview. Michael did his best to hold his role as dad to both of his girls, even after the bombshell news that another man was now raising his daughters. But I don't think that there was anything, he went above and beyond Crystal after everything happened. You know, after the, the divorce, he went above and beyond her, but I don't think he ever lacked for compassion or appreciation or, or pride for his other daughter. He never expressed any animosity ever. Not at all. The only animosity he expressed was towards his ex-wife. Unsure of where to go, Michael moved in with his Aunt Brenda for a few months. Was depressed during all that time. You know, and he did go on about that divorce. And, you know, so when you hear somebody after so long, you're like, okay, let it go, let it go. <laughs> so, you know, it was, ooh, brutal. He didn't hold back on what he thought. And he definitely hated Christy. You know, there was no doubt that you knew he hated her. And for destroying his whole world. You know, now he's an odd peg. Where is he going to fit? 
No longer able to endure the constant reminders of his old life, he moved from Augusta, Georgia, to the family's vacation home in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. He and Crystal still talked daily. Her dad would frequently ask for information on what's happening in the house. No, no secrets. I was telling him everything. Anytime he would ask me a question, you know, specifically, I'd be like, oh, if I didn't know, I'd be like, well, I'll find out. I'll go ask, like, I'll go figure it out for you. Kind of like a spy. Because that was the one thing I could do. Like, I couldn't put back our family. I couldn't figure out why it had happened. But I could do this one thing. And it made me feel like I had purpose, I guess. One day, me and my dad were talking on the phone, and my sister was talking about getting adopted by Keith. This is probably a month or so after my dad's gone, maybe maybe a month and a half. And so Keith is talking about becoming my sister's like legal dad, like adopting her. And I told my dad because I was telling my dad everything. I heard him scream, and he dropped the phone, and I. I what I heard, I believe, was him hitting something, possibly like a wall. And I was just like, oh, what if, what have I done? Like, I didn't expect that reaction because usually I'll tell my dad stuff and he would make comments or stuff like that, but I'd never seen him react like that. And I guess it hurt him to know, like, he's kind of losing, not only is he lost his life, but now he's losing other parts of his family as well. Michael was left a pit of emotions. Fueled by a broken heart, Michael decides to drive in the middle of the night for nearly four hours to the home of his ex-wife, Christina, her new husband, and his daughters. The betrayals what really lit the fire. But then Mike, you know, he wouldn't leave well enough alone. He wouldn't, I think he harassed Christy. You know, it was like, that's all he thought about, period. My dad was found in the woods in front of our house watching us. The police were called. Michael Howell was arrested and charged with stalking and disorderly conduct. Also on his record from the year before was a battery charge where he allegedly grabbed and strong-armed his ex. But this time... Michael would do jail time. She filed charges against him for stalking, and that's how he ended up in jail in Columbia County. When he was convicted, Michael relied on his lifelong friends for help. He went to jail, and I kept his dog for several months, and I would go visit him and take notes and do things for him and pay his bills. This was the start of emotional warfare that plays out in millions of divorced homes. Crystal was being recruited and needed to choose an allegiance. At the time, I was only listening to what my dad told me because my dad told me basically, he was like, your mom does not love you. She's replaced me with this new family. Like, I'm the only one that's there for you, so you need to kind of trust in what I say. And I'm watching my mom's reactions to, like, things that are going on. And I'm, like, doing small things, like, trying to stand out. And I'm like, hey, I'm still here. Crystal wanted attention from her mom, whether good or bad. At school one day, she decides she wants a change. It was an act of rebellion that backfired. 
Like, I've drawn, like, a little, like, there was this thing that everybody was drawing on those binders and notebooks at the time. It was called Ziggy the Bomb is what everybody was calling it. It was this little bomb, and it had Texas fries and, like, a little tongue that was sticking out. So I put that on the bathroom wall, and I signed my name to it, and I put the date. And I guess a girl a couple years before, like a year before maybe, had been kicked out of school for a bomb threat. So me putting this on the wall, I'm like, well, maybe this will have them take me somewhere else. Maybe this will get me out. I'm not really sure. I just felt like everything in my life was changing, and I just wanted to be in control of one thing that I could make different. But at the time, I'm not really thinking, really. I'm just thinking, I want, I want something new. I want something different. She got something different. Crystal was arrested and sent to juvenile hall for her doodle on the bathroom wall. She was held for over a week, suspended from school, and placed in an alternative school. Dad and daughter cuffed and arrested weeks apart. Their cries for help cemented their solidarity. Coming up on the next episode of Killing Dad. In the midst of the Howell family war, Crystal finds love. I look back at it now and I thought I was in love with her. But an unforeseen enemy would tear the family apart even further. He had touched me like under my short and he had touched under my top as well. Yeah, I've been coming So long.